0: This is Well-Being Well Said, the podcast with me, Sarah Malouf. Join me as I chat with fitness gurus, business owners, wellness experts, and other inspiring individuals as together we dive into what it means to live well. I am incredibly honored and excited to introduce today's guest to you all, even though I feel like for many of you, she requires no introduction. But if you aren't familiar with Kathleen Barnes, listen up. Kathleen launched CarrieBroadshawLied.com in 2010 as a way to stay connected with her girlfriends, whom she often dressed and styled in college. Since then, her hobby has become a brand and a full blown career. She has been featured on the Today Show, MSN, Oprah.com, The Cut, The Zoe Report, Who, What, Where, and many more. I love Kathleen. I love following her on Instagram. I love reading her blog. Even though she has hundreds and thousands of people following her, she finds a way to always keep things real. She's so authentic, down to earth, and I know that if you do follow her on social, you already know this about her, but you'll definitely hear that come to light in today's episode as well. We talk about marriage and relationships and moves and career and many, many more, like nothing was really off limits for this conversation. And I'm so appreciative of Kathleen and her time. I won't take up more of your time. And anyway, without further ado, here is Kathleen Barnes. I'm here with Kathleen Barnes, the creator behind and the voice behind Carrie Bradshaw lied. Kathleen, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a privilege. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, I am so excited. I know a lot of people who are listening already know you, love you, follow you. But for people who don't, if they are not familiar with you and your brand, when people ask, what do you do? I love asking influencers this question. So when people ask you, what do you do for a living? How do you respond?
1: That's a great question. (laughs) So I always joke that um, if you are, if the person is like over 50, I'll say I work in digital marketing. Because sometimes it just gets real confusing. But if they're under fifty, I usually will say I have a website where I share my, you know, tips and tricks in fashion and lifestyle and home and family and travel. Back pre twenty twenty, and then of course I support that website through my social media channels.
0: Amazing. And some people might follow up that question or follow up with your answer and say, Well, you make money from that. That's your full time job. How do you like what do you what do you mean? How did you get
1: here? So what's the evolution of Carrie Bradshaw Lied? So what's funny is that I, I actually I went to Ole Miss and I majored in marketing and communications and I wanted to work at a magazine. So I curated my entire degree, internships, everything to work at a magazine. That was my dream job. And my first job out of school was at Southern Living. So I thought I was just like on the exact track I wanted to be on. And then in my first month, in my first job, one of the magazines there, Southern Accents, folded. Half of my floor lost their jobs. And I just thought, is this really going to how I'm going to start my career in publishing? Like, what's the future for me? And so I I thought, well, you know what? Why don't I start a website where I can be my own editor-in-chief? I can write about whatever I want. And I'll focus on more of the business side of marketing. So I did that. So I worked in corporate marketing for um, five, six years and then ran my website on the side. And so I didn't make a dime off of it for years and years and years. And that's not why I had it. I had it really for fun. And um, over the years I would be sent you know, free product. I remember my first free item I was sent was a scarf and I was like, oh my gosh, these people (laughs) sent me a scarf and I'll never forget like how special that was. And it really is such a privilege to be able to review products and whatnot for a living. And I'm so grateful for this job. And it's really kind of been a natural growth and evolution over time to where the majority of my income comes from affiliate marketing, which is um, when I use a third party to like link Something from Target, which means I get a percentage of that sale should someone click to purchase that item. And then probably the majority of my income comes from paid partnerships with brands and sponsorships and, um, you know, long-term contracts. How many years now
0: have you been doing this full-time? I think like 10. Oh my gosh. Okay. Isn't that crazy?
1: Only full-time since only full-time for about five. Okay. Yeah, I think that's right. Five years, maybe.
0: Did you always have something in you that made you feel like or think that you would be in a not your average kind of desk job or industry that something about you and your career would be different? Or does this whole life of Carrie Bradshaw lie
1: surprise you? It totally surprises me. And I think some of that is because, you know, I grew up in a small town, about 35,000 people in Mississippi. And in Mississippi, you know, when you see people having success, they're often dentists, they work in healthcare, attorneys, accountants, nurses, you know, traditional jobs. And my mom is an artist and super creative, which I think and I think all three of us, all my siblings and I have a little bit of her creativity in us. Um but my dad works in healthcare and is very structured, very traditional job. And I don't know. Everyone in my family, actually, my brother, my brother and sister are both in healthcare. And so I was the only one that majored in business and they were like, good luck with that. I mean, (laughs) what's, who knows what she's going to do with that. And so I think I've always loved fashion and I've always loved style, style in the home. And I just wasn't quite sure how I was going to use it. And that's why I thought working at a magazine might be a great, opportunity. And what's funny is that I love, I mean, working for yourself is such a privilege depending on your personality type and I'm very self-motivated. So it's worked out really well for me. However, I love working in a corporate office. I mean, people act like it's people who want to start their own website or blog or business in that way act like having a corporate job is a negative thing. And I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. I think it's a totally positive thing because on someone else, first of all, you're learning on someone else's dime, professionalism, email etiquette, you know, respect in the hierarchy of command in your office. You can, you have the opportunity, you know, you have a tech support. Uh, Sarah, you and I don't have tech support. Sure. (laughs) Wish I did. Mm -hmm. You have 401k and benefits and you have so many people around you who have lived these full lives and careers, who can offer you advice and you can find mentors through your corporate job. So I think working in a professional workplace like that has so many benefits. And I still feel like I use and carry and benefit from all of those skills I learned in the in corporate jobs out of school.
0: Really good point. And don't name names or point fingers, but can you tell when you're working with various you know, reps or other bloggers or whoever it is who maybe has had that experience and who has not?
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty, it's pretty obvious. (laughs) And I think it just comes from, I think when you've worked in an office, you're just used to a certain level of structure. And I think you can recognize that when people are, you know, when you work for yourself, you really have to stay on top of it and be an organized person because there's no one, you know, There's no one, it's like you have teammates when you work at an office, people have, you know, you have a meeting at three o'clock tomorrow where, you know, you have to get this project done, but when you work for yourself, you have to hold yourself accountable. And so it's, it's obvious who people who don't turn in things on time and, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. part of it.
0: On that same note, what kind of structures do you have in play or practices to keep you organized? Do you set a schedule for yourself? Like you're at a corporate office? How do you manage
1: your day? Yeah, that's a great question. I think what I, it's interesting because I, so I'm from the South and I live in Georgia now. So I live in the South now, but I started my blog in the central time zone. Then we moved to California and I was in Pacific time zone. And now we're in Georgia where we're on the Eastern time zone. Mm -hmm. So my schedule has changed because of the time zones. Mm -hmm. So when I lived out West, I would wake up to a hundred emails because everyone else, you know, everyone in New York's already been working for 3 hours before I even open my eyes. So, I would work on emails in the morning and then work on content creation, photo editing, writing in the afternoons. And now that I'm in the Eastern time zone, it's the opposite. I wake up with no emails because I'm like the first one up. And so in the mornings is a great time for me to work on content creation and editing and blog posts and all that. And then in the afternoon, I'm on email and the the Catch about Eastern Time Zone is that you know when it's six o'clock and I'm having a meal with my family, I'm still getting like dozens of emails. So I've had to be intentional about making some changes so that that doesn't make me anxious because I'm a, I'm kind of an outer order, inner calm person. So the biggest thing that I've done that's been amazing for my mental space is I turned off. There's you can turn off on your phone the pop-up notification on the email icon that says you have 47 unread emails, you can turn that number off to where you just never see the number. Oh. And that way you, you have to click into the mail app to see your emails. And you just don't see that red number like staring at you. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm such a type A person that was like stressing me out. And so eliminating that allows me to like put my phone down, spend time with my family and then choose when I'm going to dip into email, if it's going to be after hours.
0: Right. So you're pretty good at actually turning it off when work is over?
1: I try to because my husband works in healthcare, and so he has set hours unless he's on call. And so I, I think it's having a child. I have a 15-month-old, and having a child has been really good for me about setting boundaries because – Previously, when my husband was in medical training, he was working until 10 p.m. at night. I mean, there's so many times where we were really like ships in the night and didn't even see each other. So I would just work crazy hours. I would just work all day long because it's like, why not, you know? Mm-hmm. And I enjoy it. So now that I have, you know, now that Christian's in a job with more, you know, appropriate hours, and he's no longer in training, I always joke that my biggest fear is that like Hudson one day is going to draw his mom like holding and looking at her cell phone. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want him to like only see me looking at my phone. Mm -hmm. And so I really try when I'm with him to not have my phone near me. Like I want him to feel like I am present with him, you know?
0: That's great. I like that. That's kind of a scary thought. I don't even have kids yet, but that just puts it into perspective. Ask. Yeah. ask yourself, how does my child see me? You
1: know? Right. And it's like I, when they're on the playground, are you just like scrolling through your phone or are you watching them saying good job? You know, uh-huh. it's like I want to be the good job or I don't want to be the one that's scrolling their phone or answering an email. Totally. So we'll see, I say all this and he's probably still going to draw me with like a glass of wine and a cell phone in my hand. <laughs> um, Okay.
0: So you are from Mississippi, like you said, you got married young, right? Did you, or how old were you when you got married? Yeah, I think I was a, 25. Okay. So not too young, but y'all together moved from Mississippi to OC. Was that next? Yes. To Orange County. Yeah. And then San Francisco. Yes. I something, And then back South to Georgia.
1: You're exactly um,
0: right. And something that you were very open about, and I think a lot of people respected you for, kind of laughed about, but also respected you for was your transparency on your views on your move to San Francisco. You, I'm bringing this up because you have on your <laughs> stories and things before and this is a well-being wellness-based podcast. Yes. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about your mental health journey. And this, you know, we can joke about it, but for real, it it sounds like it took a toll on you for a while. How were you able to process, cope? Did it affect your marriage, your relationship? Like how was that strain from moving to a place you loved to a place where you didn't want to be?
1: Totally. Um, you know, I learned a lot about myself that year. And so I, when we moved, when we moved from Mississippi to Orange County, we were both really excited and we loved it there. It's sunny. The weather's perfect every day. We made friends, you know, everything was great. I I started working at Urban Decay Cosmetics corporate office and marketing. And then that's where I branched off and started my blog full time. And we loved it there. And then, you know, Christian's training ended and he matched for a fellowship in San Francisco and so we were forced to leave and I'm like um I don't want to move I love it here like I don't want to go you know but I knew I had to and so we started in San Francisco paying two and a half times the rent that Orange County cost and then Christian you know he's in training so he makes next to nothing like his his what he got paid didn't even cover Maybe covering a little over half the rent, maybe. So I mean, it was a huge investment for us to move there, and the weather change was like also kind of seasonal depression. You go from sunny, beautiful, warm to cold, overcast, windy every day, and you know we're in this apartment with a huge, I have a huge pony dog and a three-legged cat at the time, which we had to do like a dog resume, even to get the apartment because our dog's 90 pounds, got her in Mississippi, clearly had no idea of the road ahead of us. Mm -hmm. And so while I was there, you know, I was 30 years old. So I was like, I can handle this. Like, I'm a grown adult. I work for myself. I'm so lucky that I don't have to like find a job for one year. That would be so hard. Mm -hmm. So I was so grateful to have my job. I didn't have to like, you know, be unemployed for a period of time. Like when we moved to California, I was unemployed for three months, interviewing for jobs, looking for work. So I was so grateful to have work. And I was like, I don't really want to live here, but I can handle it. And I totally hated it. I hated everything about it. I hated that we were spending, you know, a fortune on rent to live somewhere that we didn't even choose. Like it was just told us that we were going to live there. Christian's job and hours were tough. He was never around. He worked like, you know, 6.30 a.m., to 10 10 p.m., and I would never see him, and I did have a few friends there, oddly enough. They're actually friends from Mississippi who now live out there who are wonderful, and they were so warm and lovely, but I think, you know, the homelessness issue in San Francisco has escalated at a rapid speed even over the past seven, eight years. And my brother lived in San Francisco for a little bit, loved it. And it's gotten so much worse from when he lived there in 2013. And so every, I remember I was going to an exercise class and I was on a very narrow sidewalk walking to the class. And there was a man probably in his thirties passed out with like a rubber band around his arm and a syringe in his hand from oh my shooting gosh. up, oh my passed out. He's, he's, you know, perpendicular on the sidewalk to where I have to step over him to not get in the street. And I'm stepping over this man who's passed out like he's garbage and he's someone's son. He's some, someone loves this person, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm like, I'm stepping over him. I'm like, I don't know what to do, you know? And like multiple times Christian would see someone, you know, passed out from drug use in a park and he's a physician. So he's like, it's my duty to make sure they're okay and to go and see if they're breathing. And, but at the same time, like you don't want, I know of people who have done that and then they've been physically attacked because people are doing that. And then you go to help and then they'll attack you. So you kind of have to watch your back. Like, you know, I've been followed. It's just, it, it was scary Mm -hmm. and it was so, it made me so sad and I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Well, how am I supposed to help? What am I supposed to do? And that with the weather and I just felt super depressed, super depressed. And I just was like, how, why am I, how am I here? Like what decisions have I made in my life that have put me in this situation? (laughs) You know? And so I finally sought out a therapist, which was the best thing I could have done. And what I would recommend to anyone who's feeling lost and just sad. Like I just felt sad every day. And, um, and so that was really helpful. And in therapy, I learned a lot. And it was funny because I went to therapy, and the whole time, all I did was complain about my husband's job and San Francisco to this woman who, like, clearly chose to live there. So she, did you she took ever, it in stride. Did you ever
0: start to resent Christian for bringing you there?
1: Oh, totally. I mean, we've had to work through that because he – you know, his job has really dictated so much of our lives. You know, we always make choices about what's best for Christian's job. We don't do what's best for my job. We do what's best for his job. And I get that his job has a longevity, you know, who knows what I'm going to be doing in 10 years. And the this influencer blogging industry is, you know, so new that there's no, model to look at of like oh this is what the trajectory for blogging you know and and so we've made so many choices based on what's best for his setup and there is some resentment there you know because I'm like what about uh my business Mm -hmm. and he's extremely supportive and you know we've we've had we worked through it I mean Orange County was great because it was like it was a win-win for everybody, but in San Francisco was, and he knew it. I mean, he didn't like living there either. And he was like, I don't like living here. I don't, I'm like, can't believe we're paying this much to live in a place that we don't even want to live. But it was a really big opportunity for growth. And, um, he, <laughs> we ended up buying this house. This is the only house we've ever bought and the one we live in now in Georgia. And he's like, you can he he never even seen the house never walked in it um when we bought it he'd only seen videos that i had taken and he's like you know i would i would prefer to buy a different house but if you want this house let's get it because you paid your dues. He owed it to you. He did. And he's like, well, this is the house you chose. This is the house we'll live in.
0: Since we're talking about Christian and marriage, marriage is really hard. And y'all I'm, I'm married to Kathleen's cousin, Matt, but I mean, even if you're in a healthy relationship, married to a wonderful person, it's hard, especially when you face conflict, when you face change difficulties through marriage what advice would you give to a woman who may or may not be in your exact same shoes as far as moving or, you know, the doctor life, residency life, all of that, but someone who's in a tough place, but they're with a good person. What is there ever something that you and Christian always come back to? How do you get back to being on the same team and same side again? That's
1: a really, that's really important. And I think that, you know, I would encourage, I think it's important for everyone to have their own passion because San Francisco was a rocky place for us. Not, we were always a unit, but I think I was just deeply unhappy. And so to be married to someone who's deeply unhappy, it's like he's had a long day and you come home, you're like, who knows what kind of mood she's in today. You know, like that's a hard place for him to be in. Mm -hmm. And so I think that at the end of the day, you have to remember like you chose this person. You chose them. No one forced you to marry them. Like, you chose them because you love them and you're compatible and you have fun together, you know? And so I think I always tell Christian that I'm like, doesn't it make you feel good that, like, I have my own business? And, like, it's not like I'm married to you because I don't know what I would do if I wasn't married. Like, it's a choice. Like, I choose to be with you because I love you and I don't want to live my life without you. Mm -hmm. And so I think having my own thing, my you know, previous career and my blog allowed me to have this passion to pour into that feels like it's mine and I have independence in that which makes me I, I don't know, I feel like it gives me this confidence about myself that allows me to be a better partner to Christian.
0: I like that. Matt and I like to say I don't need you but I want you.
1: Exactly, which is a much more concise <laughs> and a perfect way to say that because I think that that is really nice and it's nice to feel that in return, you know
0: mm-hmm. totally, okay, and so then, sweet little, sweet little baby comes around little heads yes. so where were you pregnant in San Francisco
1: or how'd you yes, and I think that was another one of the many elements that made San Francisco hard when we were leaving Orange County, I was thirty, and I was ready to have a baby and if Christian interviewed both times for residency and fellowship, like over 10 places all over the country, literally like California to New York and in between. And so, depending on where we ended up, I was like, Well, if we end up in Chicago or Ohio, we can have a baby there, you know, like that won't be that big of a deal. And I was like, Really, the only places you're interviewing where I don't think I could have a baby is San Francisco and New York because our apartments will be so small and it would just be a lot harder and sure enough we matched in San Francisco so I was (laughs) like well I guess we're gonna put off having a baby for another year and keep in mind we've been together since we were 19 so at this point I mean I knew I wanted kids with him and so um, I wanted to wait my goal was to get pregnant in San Francisco but not to have a baby there and I was very lucky that that is exactly what happened I've moved when I was maybe five months pregnant
0: Okay, and wow. drove
1: across the country with my cat pregnant. So my three-legged black cat and my pregnant self drove solo from San Francisco to Mississippi to my parents' house. And everyone's like, how did you do that? And I was like, honestly, I, when I, <laughs> it's like so dramatic. When I drove out of San Francisco with that packed car and my cat, I was like crossing this bridge out of the city. And I just had tears down my cheeks. I had the window down. I was just like, I am free. Like I had a great time on that road trip by myself. I was just like, my life is starting.
0: Kathleen, you should have renamed your blog during your year in San Francisco to DJ Tanner
1: lied. (laughs) Honestly, honestly. And I mean, plenty of people like it there, but it's gotten, the thing is, it's gotten tough. Like I've, I visited San Francisco when I was 15 and we like loved it and had a blast it was a family trip. And the city it is now is not the city. It was 10. Well, it wasn't right ago. for you.
0: I mean, it goes the same as far as anything in life, how you eat, how you exercise, what you wear, like things. Work for some people and don't for others. We would all live in one just unified, peaceful, blissful community somewhere with no politics or laws or anything. If that were the case, where everything worked perfectly the same for everyone, you know,
1: yeah, it's it's true. And And it was funny that with my job, I was like, when San Francisco is so hard for a while, I tried to mask it because I was like, who wants to just word vomit how much they hate something on the internet? I mean, it's like, calm down, lady, you know. So I kind of tried to cover it. And finally, I'm kind of, I'm a very like, what you see is what you get person. And Finally, I was like, I just can't pretend like I can't spend a whole year pretending. And it was cool because obviously for some people, you know, it didn't resonate with them. But for a lot of others, I mean, a lot of people have to move places they don't want to move for their own job, for their partner's job, and they have to figure out how to work through it, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you move, you're about halfway through your pregnancy. You get into this yeah. house that you're in now, which is gorgeous by the way. I love watching how We're you decorated separate. it and kept up with it. How, before we get into motherhood, was your watching your body change and adjusting to being pregnant difficult? Or was that something that you found? Some people say it's the hardest thing ever in such a mental mind game. And some people say, Oh, it's the beautiful, most cool thing I've ever experienced. What was your take? Um,
1: I, honestly, I feel like I, we were so busy that it was like, I mean, I was, this is terrible. I was like on a ladder, like painting, you know, like seven months pregnant and Christian's like, if I have to tell you to get off a ladder one more time, I'm going to like lose it, you know, <laughs> but it, it wasn't, I didn't, I, I had a very easy pregnancy. I was very lucky. I mean, I felt great and watching my body change wasn't crazy until the third trimester, when things really get out of control, it's like very National Geographic. I mean, you're just like, the stomach cannot possibly get any bigger. <laughs> and it's so tight. I mean, it feels like a cement block on your body. You're like, it, you know, it's crazy. And I think for me, I do think I'll enjoy being pregnant much more the second time around. Which I am not pregnant, but w- hopefully that day will come one day mm-hmm. and I'll be pregnant and I know I'll enjoy it more because the first time around, you're thinking, like, say goodbye to my body. I'm never gonna look the same ever again. And our bodies are insane and incredible. And it does, it's like it miraculously all goes back. And it's like, I don't understand how my skin can stretch out like that <laughs> and then go back, but it does. And I think knowing, I think when you have your first child, you're like, you know, say goodbye to all these clothes. I'm never gonna be able to wear these clothes again. Like, so sad. Let's hold a funeral for these clothes. And then your body does go back. And so I think the second time you're like, no, I'll get back there. Like, I'm gonna enjoy this because it's a miracle because it is, it's incredible. It's Mm -hmm. incredible what our bodies can do. Mm -hmm. And obviously being a mom changed everything. How did it
0: affect your business for good or bad?
1: Yeah, I think that I do share, I do share, some motherhood moments and family moments and some family content, but I do try to keep the focus of my blog what it started as, which is fashion and home and you know travel because I don't want to lose that side of me and I think some people transition into being like a mom blogger really well you know but I do think my audience like they obviously everyone loves a chunky baby, but at the end of the day like we're all you know, we also really want to know like where somebody's dress is from or what that recipe is. And so I do try to keep the verticals of my content the same, but it definitely has changed the way I work. And it's changed. It's been very interesting to me how it's changed my views of privacy. I feel like I, I've, I've, it's weird how more private I've gotten about certain things. Mm. It's been interesting. I think it's just kind of like I'm I think it's like our instincts kicking in about just wanting to keep my child safe. And so I feel like certain things, I feel the need to be very private because I just want to keep him protected at all costs, you know?
0: No, totally. That makes sense. And you mentioned not transitioning into being a mommy blogger. And I do love that you have stayed true to yourself. How do you stay original and authentic to Kathleen and Carrie Bradshaw lied when there's, just so many other people in the space that you could look to your left and left and right and compare to, or take content from, how do you stay just in your own zone while you're doing, doing what you do?
1: Yeah. So I, when I was in high school, I um, competed in Miss Teen USA uh, way back in the day, like for truly what feels like forever ago. And so during that year that I was like Miss Teen Mississippi, I had a speech, speech coach that I would meet with once a month and that was the best part of that entire situation because he he taught me about like the power of the subconscious and, you know, what we choose to absorb and the content that we choose to absorb and watch gets into the back of our minds and that dictates our actions and choices, right? So I'm very protective of like, you know, I love, I love to read blogs, but I do try not to read too many other people's blogs because I don't want to unintentionally copy them or mimic them. I want to stay original to myself and continue to serve my audience without copying someone else's ideas. And it's the same thing is like on social media. I try to make sure like I follow all kinds of people and accounts and not just fashion and not just home because I feel the need to protect what I consume so that I can continue to make choices that are original to myself. Does that make sense? That
0: makes total sense.
1: Yeah. So he, Don Baker, rest in peace. He taught me just so much about the subconscious and I feel like it's helped me in my career so mm-hmm. much. What about in your
0: personal life? Are there practices or habits you have implemented that helps keep you grounded and keep you motivated and Um, inspired, I guess you could say?
1: Yeah. I think that, that year in San Francisco really taught me a lot about gratitude, a lot about gratitude. And it was such a tough year, probably the hardest year of my entire life. But I'm so grateful for like the most, the smallest things. And I think practicing gratitude and I used to write down three things every day, but I recently heard someone say to say them out loud, mm. which is even easier than writing it down. Right. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: now I try when I shower, <laughs> when I shower, I try to say three things I'm grateful for that day out loud, just to myself. And it's nice. Cause I just like connect saying those things with the shower, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think no matter what it is, I think just practicing gratitude and reminding yourself to be appreciative of small things, it really affects, I know it really affects my attitude and the way I treat people.
0: Mm -hmm. I bet. Well, you've grown and grown and grown. You're, you have such a strong following. I don't think I know of anyone, or I know, I don't know of anyone who speaks negatively of you or your presence online.
1: Um, Just keep digging. I'm sure, I'm sure there's someone around the corner. Well, I was
0: about to ask, do you get any haters or messages that just tick you off?
1: (laughs) You know, they come in waves. Like sometimes I feel like it'll be just smooth sailing for like six months. And then all of a sudden I'm just like, God. Everyone hates me. It's like, it hits it all at once. And I think constructive criticism can be really helpful. And I think, you know, I, I, I've seen some people share things on Insta stories, like, are there anything, like, this is what I love, like, when people share, are there anything, is there anything that I've recommended that you love? Is there anything that I've recommended that you didn't love? You know, and that's so, that's so helpful. But I think some people just 2020 has been tough for everybody for a lot of reasons and people have more time on their hands and you know people have lost their jobs and they're frustrated and then other people's jobs are thriving you know because they are used to working from home and their business is already online and obviously everyone's shopping online and I think sometimes when you're not doing well it's hard to see others doing well and so people are angry and being an election year and it was tough. It was tough. And there were many times in 2020 where I thought, why am I doing this? Like, why am I putting myself in this position to like be a punching bag for people?
0: That brings me to my next question. I was going to ask, what's your why? Yeah,
1: I think it's very interesting because I've kind of, I've fallen in this my website, I never started it intending for it to be my job. I never started it thinking it was going to make anything, any money, nothing. And so it's really been this delightful curveball. But there are times where I'm like, what am I doing? Like, is, you know, what's the longevity of this? Like, is this still helpful? And I think I love to write. I've always loved to write. And so I really enjoy writing and I always try to stay true to the original reason that I started my website, which was I love to write, I love fashion, and I love like sharing tips and tricks and hacks with people. Even when, like this week, the content I've shared are happy hacks, which are things girls submitted, like small changes in your day that can make you a little bit happier, and a classical music playlist, because I'm always playing classical music and people will ask, and so I thought, well, let me put together my favorite classical songs. I mean, and neither of those things make any kind of revenue, but I know my audience enjoys them. And so no matter what, I, I always want to stay true to like giving people content they enjoy, whether it's profitable or not.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's
1: really, really important to me to the point where I'll only take on so many paid projects a month because the more paid projects I take on, I can't, I don't have the time to create that kind of Non profitable but enjoyable content, and I find that when I'm not creating just unpaid, fun content, I don't enjoy my job as much. You know, that's the kind of stuff I love to do, so I always try to make sure that's like you know, a a foundation, like a core element of my content. Because I think something that I think bloggers sometimes forget is like your audience is just as smart, if not smarter, than you. So they know when you're being honest, they know when you're being truthful and they know when you're trying to make, make some coin and there's nothing wrong with making an income from doing what you love, but you have to remember just to be truthful, you know?
0: I love it. And that comes through to our audience, you know, like you were saying, you can see through, you can see through crap online and you can tell when people are legitimate or authentic and when they're not. And I think you've done a really good job with building trust with your audience. and I appreciate that. People leave, people leave feeling inspired and encouraged, not just like, oh, my gosh, let me go make some more money for this girl, you know? Right. What is, right. I hope so. Is there one thing that, or multiple things that you hope someone walks away with after looking at your website or your Instagram?
1: I think, I think the thing that I always try that's important to me is I don't want anyone to to visit com or to visit my instagram and then feel like what they have isn't good enough you know the the point that i'm always trying to drive through to my audience is like it's all about like making the most with what you have and attainable luxury things that feel special and things that feel elevated but it, that are attainable and realistic and i and i never want anyone to feel like they have to go and buy, buy all these things to feel good about themselves because that's certainly not the point, and it's a, definitely a less is more, quality over quantity, and like, it's why like I always say I'll, I don't like to share what size I'm wearing in clothes because what size I'm wearing isn't important. It's about the, what's what is important is how it runs. Is it true to size? Does it run small? Does it run big? Because I don't want to encourage comparison or make someone feel badly that they wear a different size or whatever like that's not really the point point. and so I, tr- I want everyone to feel confident in who they are and if anything just learn some strategies on how to easily and realistically elevate their home or closet or outfit
0: I love that so much. I love that you don't name sizes. I've noticed that or say sizes on your page. I have categorized people I follow on Instagram, specifically influencers. For me, I view it as there's people over here that I follow because it's like watching a TV show. Nothing about their life is relatable. Nothing about them comes off as being in touch or I just can't compare at all. It's not even something I try to do because they're it's like a real housewife, you know, like just, yeah, a, which
1: is fun too, which is fun. Know? Exactly. Totally. But then totally. there's the
0: category again, like what you're doing, which I appreciate people who, yes, like you can see, it seems like maybe a lot of your life can be glamorous or fun. I'm sure it can be and is, but you're, you're a real person and people want to connect with people who don't make them feel lesser than, and I think you right. do a great job of right. that.
1: I hope um, I try to thank you. I appreciate that.
0: One fun, quick question before we wrap things up, because I did just mention Real Housewives. I got asked on Instagram yeah, okay. to ask you who is
1: Hudson's favorite housewife? <laughs> wow. Great question. Um, Hudson is, I guess he's not technically like a quarantine baby because he was born in November of 2019, but I do consider him like a COVID baby because he only sees people with masks on. Like He doesn't see faces. And it's so sad because I put on The Real Housewives of Atlanta and Hudson will only watch the TV for max 10 minutes on a good day, but usually it's more like five minutes. And I put on The Real Housewives of Atlanta and he was glued to the TV. I couldn't tell Christian this (laughs) because he would really scold me. 20 minutes, 20 minutes he was staring at The Real Housewives of Atlanta And I could not stop laughing. And I almost shared it on social media, but then I was like, no, I don't want any like mommy shamers being like, Mm -hmm. why are you having your son watching Real Housewives? (laughs) But I think just like their facial expressions and everyone had, you know, different hairstyles. And so for him, it was like, he was glued to the TV and I couldn't stop laughing. And I thought, you know what, I respect that the Atlanta cast is your favorite. And so far, he's very into the Atlanta ladies.
0: That is hilarious. Okay, it well, Kathleen, so I could talk to you forever, but me I mean me too. With this, this question that I ask every guest that's been on so far, in your own words, what does it mean to live well?
1: I think to live well, which is this is very hard for all women, but I just to remember to put the mask on yourself before you can put a mask on others and I think women so frequently put themselves last but you can't be your best self for someone else your spouse your coworker, your child unless you're taking care of yourself so you got to put the mask on yourself first
0: amazing so true most people again probably already know but if not plug yourself where can people find you and connect with you
1: So on Instagram, I'm at Kathleen underscore Barnes. And then my website is kerrybradshawly.com.
0: Awesome. I'll be sure to link those. Thank you so much for your time. This has been such a fun conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of well-being, well-bought, well-said, the podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, review. It all means so much to me.